welcome if you're tuning in, if you're uh, just enjoy, enjoying the worship. It's, uh, my name's uh, Pastor Andy. Um, I pastor this church with uh, Pastor Louise, who was uh, kind of in the background on the worship team there today. Um, we have a great time in the presence of God every Sunday morning, so you're welcome to join us. Uh, we're here to let the Holy Spirit move. The Word of God will be preached, but we let the Holy Spirit move as well because we are passionate about seeing souls saved. Um, let me just move my things around. Only because I don't want to get too excited and smash an iPad, basically. I'll tidy up after the whole worship team as well. I'll throw it on the floor as well. Hallelujah. I don't know, it needs tightening up or something. <laughs> Spend time welcoming people in the online and then make a bigger, bigger hash of it than, than anyone else. Well, let's just turn to the book of James. I think the things of God are awesome. The presence of God is awesome. Have you ever felt, and, and I know I've done this numerous times, when you just go to church completely empty completely dried up and you end up fired up again refreshed again and I I really do believe it's this because in James chapter 5 verse 6 he says this and he gives grace generously as the scriptures say but this is an interesting verse God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I really believe that on a Sunday morning, what happens is when you start to take your mind off of you and you start to worship him, that scripture verse is very much demonstrated because you're no longer thinking about you. You're the pride that's, that crippled you all week and dried you up and, and made you the shell of the person that you should be gets released, and suddenly grace refills you. Now, I'm not giving you the ideal. I'm just giving you the practical. I'm just giving you the reality, isn't it? Because you and I are not perfect human beings. We have arguments with spouses. We get grumpy with children. But the ideal is that we operate in God's grace on a daily basis, not in a fraction but a continual flow. I talk a lot about the river of God. I talk a lot about uh, plugging in. I think one of the the things I said last week was that we needed to plug in and be sustained by the river of God. But really that river is nothing more than a plugging into and accessing God's grace for our life. God's grace is not just divine favor. And I know... Uh, Brother Jerry Savelle preaches that for years on grace being divine favor, the favor of God operating in your life because grace is on your life. And of course, that's an, a, a major, major aspect of grace. But grace is also an ability. It's not just something that causes things to come to you, but it's something that flows through you that allows you, enables you to achieve greater things. If we're called on this earth to be an impact or create an impact or turn up to to a place and shake nations, as they would say, 
We have to have the ability of God on the inside us to achieve any of that. It would be impossible for you and I to change the world without God's ability. I said it last week. If God turned himself off and decided to just turn himself off like a light switch, everything in the universe would cease to exist because light is the central function of this universe and God is light. But you know what else God is? He is love. And his love permeates through all of humanity and the reason why humanity hasn't imploded on itself and killed itself off thousands of years ago, which it probably would have done, is because of the love of God and the love of God that manifests through his people. The Jewish people were introduced to that love. They didn't understand that love because it became a form and it happened to, to be converted into laws and regulations. The only way God could demonstrate his love to the Jewish people was to kind of teach them how to operate in a law mentality. Now we cross over into the New Testament and thank God we are now long, no longer operating under a law mentality, but we're under, under a, a new covenant with better promises, better ability, more grace, because grace is now inside of us and on us, rather than just covering us. The blood of the Lamb that they sacrificed in the Old Testament covered their sins for a year. We're having a bit of competition with the children. It's always good, you know. Faith Life Manchester is exactly the same. They, they, when they start shouting, it shakes the church. It's, it's quite good. Pastor Joel's usually really dead serious, and then the kids roar up, and then, and then everyone goes, no, we, we can have a bit more fun again. It's all about timing. It's like when the heating stops in this place, suddenly it's like a breath of fresh air. <laughs> still going at the moment. We'll, we'll, we'll give it another few minutes, and it'll just stop. You see, the grace of God on the inside of you and I is cr creating that sense of ability. In fact, if we go to the book of Acts, the one major thing that we can pray for, I was reading um, T.L. Osborne's uh, book, that he was reading, and there's a quote in it. I'm going to try it. I probably will mess it up because I didn't really kind of take it down. But I'm just in my mind. He said, what... Things changed in his ministry when he realized that he needed to stop praying for things that Christ had already done. Stop praying for things that Christ has told us to do. So, you know, when, when somebody comes up to you and says, I, I want to reach the lost, pray with me on uh, when I should do that, that's a, a silly prayer to pray because God just said, Go. You go into the world and preach the gospel. There's no question mark on that. Now, your timing and your being led of the Holy Spirit is there, and that's fine. You know, not everyone is ready to receive the gospel, but you have never got to ask God whether or not you should go and preach the gospel. You might need to ask him where. You might need to ask him when. But you, there is no restrictions on any of us preaching the gospel. The minute you are saved, you are commissioned and um, equipped to be able to do that. Because it's simply, I've got something, and I can now tell my friend that they haven't got what I've got, and they share the gospel. There's no need to pray about it. You don't hold a new Christian back from doing the things of, of evangelism and, and the gospel, because it's been told to do. But the other thing you can't pray for is something that Christ has already done for you. You can't pray for 
or you shouldn't pray for, and in fact, you probably can't pray for, I'm going to be stronger on it, your needs to be met. Because God said, I will meet your needs. I have met your needs. So it's a silly prayer to pray. But there's a great prayer to pray in the book of Acts. And I think this is a key. And I've been praying about this and, and asking the Holy Ghost what, what we need to pray as a church, what we, how we need to do it. Do we need to pray for people to come through the doors? And, and I, I question whether or not we can do that, honestly, just sit in the church and pray for people to come to us. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's, if you're not careful, you just sit in the chair and pray for you know, the, the, so Amazon to send you a delivery and you never buy the delivery and never ask for the delivery and never talk to Amazon, they're never going to send you a delivery. So we've got to be careful on how we pray. There's nothing wrong with saying, God, we're, we're asking you for, for, for people to come to our church. We're asking for people to come in and sit. We're going to do the best job. We can. There's nothing necessarily wrong with it. But if you get stuck in a rut and suddenly think, that's all we have to do, and why is nobody coming? And after 25 years, you kind of sit there and go, um, nobody came. What's wrong with them? Because we stop blaming everyone else because it's not our fault because we're perfect Christians and we're amazing and we've got the best church in the world. But yet no one's coming. So we, you see my point. We can't just randomly pray for things and hope them to come to pass. If God said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, we've got to, there's got to be a point where we go across the line of asking God for people to come and we've got to go and that's why we go. That's why we post leaflets. That's why we're going to ramp up evangelism. Pastor Joel was talking about it yesterday, um, that the next real function, focus of, as a team for the next three months will be that. How do we reach more people with the gospel? I had the privilege of talking to some friends this week. Uh, I've been at a, what's called a DCPI, a Dynamic Church Planting Institute or something like that, uh, a three-day course this week talking about planting churches. And what they're, they're what the kind of, it's the heart of planting church. Now, obviously, we all know how to plant a church because we've been part of a church plant. Does it mean we get everything right? No, of course not. There's other things we can do. There's things we might want to do better, all that kind of stuff. That's fine. It's not, that's not the point. But the, what they were trying to get us to think like was, if you're a church plant like we are, when are we going to ch- plant another church? How long will it take for us to grow big enough to plant another church is what they were saying. It's worked very well in, in uh, the, the guys that we're talking were Germans. Fantastic, um, absolutely beautiful testimony of him and his wife moving to Marseille in uh, France as Germans. And in fact, he's, I think they're off to Israel. Germans preaching the gospel to Jewish people. That's a testimony just in itself. And he, he was telling, I, I, I'm guessing, I'll watch what I say because it was a, a closed group, so I don't want to say too much, but his testimony of how he, they moved to Marseille and the resistance they had was from local mafia. There's some horrendous things that went on, the burglaries and worse that happened to his family, all to try and get him to stop preaching the gospel. But it got to a place where he... Some supernatural stuff happened. Like I said, I don't want to go into the details like this. It's Some things happened, and it released it to that he could go and stand in front of those mafia people and say, we're not leaving. 
And they actually accepted them and said, you will be our Protestant church in this area. And of course, now they're planting churches all through the area and they're doing all sorts of different stuff. But this course was very much thinking of like, okay, guys, you started a church. You know, we've, we've been sent from Faith Life Manchester. We're now in Faith Life Preston. What are we going to do next? Now, some of you might sit there going, well, it would be nice to see some people get saved in Preston before we start thinking about planting a church somewhere else. But the idea, the reason I'm bringing this up is our thinking is always going forward. We're not praying about planting another church as such because we know that we can do that because God said go. And we're having a mentality of multiplication. A mentality of victory is a, man, a mentality of multiplication. A, mental, a mentality of, of God infusing the believer is a mentality of multiplication. And in fact, the, the reason why they're so big on this is, and it's, you know, at the end of the day, we, whether we do this or not, is, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm dreaming. Is the idea that if you plant churches and keep planting churches, you're actually going to be more effective as evangelists than anything else. Because this church could reach 30 people, plant another church, they could reach 30 people, plant another church, they reach 30 people, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the multiplication factor works. And okay, I'm, so, I'm talking about this because it's fresh in my mind that I had it on this week. But I'm excited to think like that. Because it, what it does is it doesn't restrict us where we are. Because it'd be very easy for us to just go, well, you know, here, this is what we are and this is what we'll be forever. I refuse that. I am, I am passionate because I look at a group of people right in this room right now that are not people who like to sit still and do nothing for 25 years. And none of you, I'm looking at my family. We do not want to get stuck in a rut. And I thank God for, for being able to ask people like Robert and Holly to do the evangelism stuff and the do prayer this morning, and everyone here has got a part to play in multiplication. But we're never going to achieve any of that without that grace factor. What does it say in Acts? They faced amazing persecution, kind of like what I was just talking about, these guys from, these Germans from Marseille. They, they faced immense persecution. They were told not to preach the name of Jesus. They were, they were consistently said, do not use that name. Don't preach. We're going to lock you up. We're going to do this. Verse 23 of Acts chapter 4 says this. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. So the, the, the best thing about that scripture verse is as soon as they got into trouble, they didn't... Uh, pop down to the bank and ask for a loan. They didn't go to the doctors and ask for some prescriptions. They didn't go to um, citizens' advice to say, what, what am I supposed to do with these evil, nasty leaders of mine? They went straight back to their own people. They went back to their own group of people, the people that they, they, they knew would support them, the people that they knew would pray with them, they, the people that they knew. That's why prayer is so important in a corporate setting because it's, it's inspiring to other people. When I'm in trouble, I, all I have to do is come in and plug in. 
in the corporate anointing, people get healed. Veronica, getting healed right now. The, the healing power of God is working on her body, working on her teeth. <laughs> Pain-free in Jesus' name. And that's the power of going back to your own people. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. That's amazing to me. And some people question whether they scripted this, they wrote it down, passed out you know, their iPads, and everyone made a declaration. But I think it was probably more the heart. This is probably the heart behind it. This is why I love corporate prayer. I, I'm... I'm I've had conversations with people in the past. I, I'm not the kind of person who likes to get in a circle and each pray but you know individually. I just I don't enjoy it. I think you could do that at home if you want to do that. You, you know, if you wanna if you've got a best buddy that you just want to pray together and, and take it in turns, great, fine. But when you're together to me, the power is in the ability to pray as one voice, whether that's in the Holy Ghost, whether that's in your own native language. But it, it just, there's a gusher that comes as we constantly work with prayer and work with it. It's not somebody at the front with a microphone taking over the show. It's everyone. I love watching a certain minister. He's an elderly guy. He's passed away now. You probably know who I mean. But he would say, like, we're going to pray now. I feel the urgency to pray. I'm going to draw a circle around my chair, and I'm going to pray. You guys do the same thing. They didn't rely on him to tell them how to pray. They just all just got on their knees and prayed. To me, that's, there's a power in that, a power in combined prayer, a power in, 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 in and then what it doesn't, doesn't do is like other stories of people, you know, when they, they talk about stories, everyone goes to the altar, and then the, 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 the poor guy just makes sure he sits next to the rich guy and says, God, I need some money today. It gets rid of all that. Because we're praying together in unity and we're allowing the Spirit of God to pull. See, this is, we're talking about, a bit about grace. This is grace. Ability. Favor. You want favor in your life. Grace is a part of that. And grace is a part of hooking up to the things of God and that river of God and pulling on that continually. I loved the Teams event that we had yesterday. There's three major points and I'm going to ask Frankie what they were. No, I'm, jo I'm joking. <laughs> Sig significant serving, wholehearted giving, and continual prayer. That's our team. That's what we, we expect from our team. So we expect them to significantly serve. You guys are the best in, in, of the best. You, you create... So you serve with significance. You create uh, impact every time you serve. You turn up. You know, Frankie comes in the door. Elson comes in the door. You, you're going to get some abuse. You're going to get some banter. You're going to get some people just saying, why are you late? You're going to get all this kind of different things. You're going to have some fun because we're serving significantly. Veronica turns up. I mean, in fact, we thought Kaylee and Shabani had just driven themselves today because Veronica stayed in her car because she was on a phone call. And we're like, well, they, they, they're committed. They, they've obviously walked from Bolton, yeah, because they can't drive. But then you hear other stories of people like Frankie having to get the bus home yesterday because Elson had to go and get, a, a, get, get working. But they were in church. Significant serving. There's a significance to that. And then, of course, wholehearted giving. I'm not going to preach on giving today. That's someone else's job. 
But the reality is, is when we put, put our finances in with our whole heart, uh, and it, you are actually giving based on a, a response of your heart, you're actually giving in from a place of faith. You, that's why it says in Corinthians, as you purpose in your heart, because your heart's filled with life and grace and ability. Am I giving you your sermon, Elson? <laughs> Wholehearted giving is commitment to the, to, to the cause of Christ with your finances. I, I find it immensely funny when, it, when we come talking about finances in any degree, and if you're watching online, hear my heart on this. That finances really is a direct connection to your heart. You can't, why? Because if you don't have any money, what does your heart think about? Needing money. When you have lots of money, your heart's thinking, how can I spend that money? How can I do something with that money? Whether it's selfish or whatever, it doesn't matter. Your heart's connected to it. And God, in fact, has said very clearly in the word that you cannot serve God and mammon. Sometimes the Bible change, translates that as money. And the reason why it's not correct to say money is because there's something behind money. It's talking about the spirit behind it. The spirit of mammon. Uh, um, if any of you watched Pastor Reba Samuels on uh, Sunday night, Freedom Night, a couple of months back. She started to bring this up. And God's been dealing with me and showing me some things concerning it. Because, and, and this is the way he said it to me. You're not dealing with the spirit of poverty. You're dealing with the spirit of mammon. And have you heard plenty of people preach against the spirit of poverty, not having a spirit of poverty in your life, not having a confession of poverty? Many of us understand that now. Many of us have nice cars. Many of us buy nice TVs. It's actually very easy to not be poverty-minded in our generation because the stuff that we own is very easily gotten. Like, for example, an iPhone. You know, when people moan and say they're poor and yet they pull out a thousand-pound phone, you could say, well, why don't you sell your phone and buy your kids some food? You can't come to me crying to me that you haven't got any food when you've got a really nice phone in your pocket. Now, that's, everyone will go, well, I need my phone. Do you need food or do you, do you need a phone? Don't worry, I'm not trying to mess with you guys too much because I know you guys' hearts are right. Maybe somebody online needs to hear this. I always, always blame, when I go off on a tangent, I blame the people online watching because it's never anyone in the room. But the spirit of mammon is different than a spirit of poverty. I'm, I'm convinced they're closely linked and, and all that kind of stuff. I'm not trying to, to or like, let's say it this way. A spirit of mammon is different than poverty thinking. Because poverty thinking would basically say to me, well, why are you in a hotel when you could have a community center for less money and you can still do church and all you guys, because I like the nice hotel, that's why. And I can believe God for the money to pay for it. So I'm not going to have poverty thinking to, to lower my standards just because you don't like me spending a certain amount of money. That's poverty thinking. Whereas the spirit of mammon would say, you need to go out there and buy more stuff because the church needs more stuff. That's why people aren't coming, because the church 
need more stuff. You need to, to make it amazing. You need to grab it. Or, or maybe, maybe you haven't got enough money in the bank, so you've got to go and panic and worry and struggle and, and figure out what, what am I going to do? What, what's driving me to, to meet the needs for my family? But my family hasn't got food this week, so I'm going to drive, drive, and drive, and drive, and drive, and drive, and try and figure out. And, and mammon gets a hold of you, and, 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 and stress, and worry. And then, like, I know for me, when I worry, my, my insides, my digestive system starts to play up. I thought for years I had something wrong with me, and then I realized I just worry too much. Because the minute I stopped worrying, or the minute I stopped having fear of man, I was fine. I thought my diet was wrong. I thought this was wrong. I thought that was wrong. I thought I need to change this in my diet. I need to eat more salad. That is never the answer to eat more salad. Amen. It, yeah, amen. I, yes, we've done it. Did everyone hear that? We found something Veronica likes to eat. <laughs> it's taken a year and a half. <laughs> Hallelujah. I feel like that that broke something in the now. <laughs> I needed to laugh today. Oh, let's not let's not get the let's not get yeah let's not go let's not make it worse than it is already. <laughs> you totally throw me now. <laughs> My digestive system now. Let's talk more about the spirit of mammon. In fact, let's go there. Let me just find it. Luke chapter 16. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. And one day a report came to the manager who was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired. So that's a reasonable response for, for a manager, or sorry, uh, an employee to do to a manager. You know, you guys aren't doing your job. If you don't do it right, you're going to be fired. So the manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches. Sounds like me. I am too proud to beg. I know how to ensure that I, I, I and then he, then he basically had this dawning on in verse 4. It says, ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. So he invited each person who owned money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. So in other words, he's actually being really quite intelligent here for himself, but also for his boss, because if the boss isn't going to get anything back, he's suddenly going to get 400 because the person can afford to pay him. How much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man, I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. And here, the manager says, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. I love the New Living Translation. He had to admire him. And this is what it says in, the, in this second bit of verse 8. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. Here's the lesson. 
Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you as an eternal home. Now, of course, that's, that's not really my topic, but at the end of the day, just, just that bit there that really stuck out when Pastor Reber talked about it. It is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. See, if you're filled with light, you should have some answers to your situation. Verse 10, if you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. But of course, I've said enslaved to mammon, which is a spirit. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money or mammon. What did we say in James? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You cannot serve God with a proud spirit because a proud spirit will try and do it your own way. And the spirit of mammon really is that in a nutshell. Trying to do it your own way. Trying to live your life your own way. Trying to gain financial victory your own way. Trying to look after your kids your own way. Trying not to trust the things of God that will open up the door to grace. Serving God simply is, and if we, let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart also will be. Verse 22, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. See, you were children of the light. When your eye is healthy, when your eye is healthy, when your eye is healthy, when your spiritual eye is healthy, you're a children of the light. You're filled. Your whole body is filled with light. You see, your eye, what's your eye doing? Your eye is an eye that's the eye of faith. The eye of faith sees beyond any darkness that is around you. The eye of faith maintains the presence of light. We have the same spirit of faith that we say, we speak, and we believe. But that, that believing in God, so I spake, we know that God who raised Jesus Christ up will also raise up Jesus and present him to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. 
For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The things we see will last forever because our eyes, back to Matthew chapter 6, but our eyes are healthy and our whole body are filled with light. When, you, when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Think about this. If the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness must be. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Grace is really fueled by light, because God is light. The Word is the light of all man. Grace on the inside of you only comes generously to you if you're not operating and functioning in pride. And if you're operating and functioning in pride, often the root of that is that spirit of mammon that we've been talking about. I believe God's trying to show us some things concerning our finances. I'm doing this very slowly. Verse 24, no, man can, no one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one another and love the other. You will dev- be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Mammon, the spirit of mammon. If you, I think you could probably do some research into what mammon is. It's a God, it was a God that they served back in those days. Um, you, you notice it very clearly when you go to India. Um, I, I can't remember the name of the god, but it was an elephant. It was the god of uh, prosperity. But then you have god of poverty and gods of this and gods of that. See, it's not about having money and lots of it. That means you're enslaved to it. You can be enslaved to money. I know we've, we know this stuff. We've heard this stuff. We can be enslaved to money and have not a single penny. Bless me yesterday. And this is how God does things. My Jack is not known for his generosity. But we were driving home from church yesterday, and Lewis said to me, um, I'd like to do some jobs, because I'd like to save up something. And I said to Lewis, well, well, how much do you need? I need 30 pounds. And I said, well, one, you could do the jobs, but you're going to have to wait till I get the money to be able to pay you. Or we could pray and believe God. You know what Jack said? He's just had his birthday. I'll give you 10 pounds. And I said, oh, well, I'll match that 10 pounds. And then Lewis said, well, I need 30 pounds. So Jack says, well, you can have 15 pounds, and Dad will match it to... And and within like three minutes, Lewis had 30 pounds to go to his... just his dream without having to work for it. You might say, oh, that's just silly. You could just buy it for him and, and never let him work. And work's a, a great principle to have. And, but he was willing to do the work. See, if you're willing to do the work, sometimes God will actually provide you with the finances before you need to do the work because maybe he needs you to do something else. 
I mean, it blessed me great, greatly, especially since we, we have to now, you know, the way we are, we're traveling with our kids, we, we're pulling them to Manchester here, Preston there, and all this stuff for church, and, and they've not grown up in that. They're not ministers' kids, really. They're, they're, they're kind of like new to this stuff, having the expectations of being there really early and leaving last. But Jack, who usually holds on to stuff, and you know what he's also started doing? Oh, this blesses me. I, I don't want to, you know, I, I, <laughs> it's always funny because you listen to other ministers speak of their kids and you just go, your kids must be amazing because my shirt aren't the same as that. But Jack now will eat his Easter chocolate and give me a piece of his chocolate and I don't even ask. That, that's something special because I like chocolate mainly. But my point being is it's just something he's just doing naturally. But you see, when, when our kids do things like that, encourage them. Because then the spirit of mammon can't get a hold of them when they're always continually giving. Can I test a saying out on you? You can't eat like an elephant and poop like a kitten. It's not my saying. But you can't eat like an elephant and poop like a kitten. Many Christians would love to just consume everything that they're given. Consume the word. Consume every finance, all the finances they get from their job. And just give a little bit back. In fact, if you didn't at all poop, what would happen to you? You would die. I know that's crude, and if you're watching online, my cameraman's laughing his head off and might fall off his chair, and he's forgotten that I'm moving. (laughs) But it's a graphic illustration of Christianity who's obsessed with what it can get, but forgets to give back. And And thank God I'm not teaching to you guys this. Uh, it's, again, we're talking to the, the person on the couch at home. Love you. But our, 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 our function and our flow of God's grace and his ability to flow through us, God resists the proud, but generously, lavishly gives grace unto the humble. The grace of the humility is the great... And you know what 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 talks about giving? The grace of giving. If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully back. It's to do with grace. It's to do with a release and a flow. I think I must have some sort of... Um, history in my childhood about rivers and stuff because all I ever think about in the body of Christ is a flow. Stagnant. The things of God must smell, it must smell horrendous in his nostrils when he sees Christians becoming stagnant. You know what happens to a stagnant water? It stinks. Churches become stagnant because we don't go out and reach the lost. Churches become stagnant because we 
consume ourselves on what we have and what we've got and we don't want to sh- either share it with anyone else or we, we're so we're better than everyone else whatever whatever the 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 niggly thing is that the church has that churches can have denominations go through cycles and all this kind of stuff where where we just become so proud in our own ability that the grace of God stops flowing let us never become like that Faith Life Preston will never be stagnant. It will always have a continuous flow. We're givers. This church gives finances out. Your finances come in and we give out more. We're generous. In our short life, we've given. And I'm proud of you guys for continuing to keep that flow going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is why I tell you in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6. I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food. Can I just... This is so familiar, these scripture verses. But pull on them on your heart. Because if we're talking about not serving, you see, God, Jesus didn't say you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money and then explain how you... Uh, but hang on, guys. If you are enslaved by money, let's talk about money for a bit. He didn't say that. He presumed that you were going to make the decision. Like when God said to the Jewish people, Behold, I, before you this day I set before you life and I, death. Hey, what did God say? He said, Choose life. He didn't kind of say, It's okay if you want to choose either one. He just said, Choose life. So Jesus is doing exactly the same thing here. That he would, he would have grown up with those scripture verses. He would have known what the curse of the law is and what the blessing of the law is. So he said, this is why I tell you. So if you're going to serve God, if you're going to serve God and not money and mammon and all those things, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or cl- enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing. You know something that we don't do much in the Western church is fast and pray. If you're really struggling for food in your house, fast and pray. Maybe, maybe you might get the answer. I'm glad I don't have to fast and pray out of a forced fast. But if you're in that situation, God's got an answer. If you haven't got food in the cupboard, what did Elijah do? He sat down by the river, and God brought him meat with, by the ravens. And in fact, uh, I was listening to somebody, and I don't know where, if it's true or not, but Jew, true, Jewish tradition actually says those ravens were bringing him meat from King Ahab's palace. So the very king that had kind of wanted to say, get out of my life, and I don't want to ever see you again, the ravens actually just thought, hey, we're just going to go borrow some of that guy's food. The wealth of the wicked is what laid up for the just. <laughs> it didn't, you know what, when you start thinking about these things, Alison, doesn't life start to get exciting? I mean, I, I, I'm not expecting ravens to bring me food. But one day, maybe, you know, if it, if it gets bad, because, it, you know, in the last days before Jesus coming back, it could get bad. If, if, if there's a moment when, when everything is cut off and the church can't do what it thinks it should be able to do, and a raven just comes around the corner with carrying a Tesco's bag, a very strong raven, this one, or a dog turning up with a bag full of money, 
Well, well, a fish with a pearl in it. Coin in its mouth, yes. Enough to pay Jesus' taxes and the disciples' taxes. Hallelujah. Joel, I remember Pastor Joel preaching one of the first messages I think I heard him preach in Manchester was the camels are coming. In Isaiah, it talks about it. future glory for Jerusalem in Isaiah 60. Don't lose your place in Matthew 6. I'll be back. Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Oh, we've been talking about light already. Grace, light, your eyes being healthy and your whole body filled with light. Nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Look and see, for everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home. Veronica, <laughs> hallelujah. Your eyes will shine and your heart will thrill with joy, for merchants from around the world will come to you. They will bring you wealth of many lands. Vast caravans of camels will converge on you. The camels of Midian and Ephah, the people of Sheba will bring gold and frankincense and they will come worshiping the Lord. And I will accept their offerings and I will make my temple glorious. Now, of course, I don't ever expect this, that camels will walk up that road and just park outside the cell. But you know what? It would be hilarious if one day one did just for the sake of it. And I was preaching away and I just looked there and you just looked at me and you think, what is he looking at? And there's a camel in the car park. I know, I know this is like dreaming language kind of thing. It's kind of like, ah, oh God, camel's coming. But you know what? We've got to get these dreams a bit more cemented in our thinking because God really wants to bless us abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. What's power? Power is light. Light. Your unhealthy eye looking and thinking that there's light in you. How dark would that darkness be? And that darkness is really pride. I'm hitting some things on the head here a little bit. I'm taking my time. This must be the Holy Ghost because you know me. I, I like to rub it. But I'm, I'm convinced that if we allow the light of the glories of gospel of Jesus Christ that dwells in the face of Jesus Christ, that same light, that, that, that revelation, that light that's there, that's shining from his face, it dwells within us. If we can connect with it and lift up praises to him and stay humble before him, recognizing him. What is it? This same spirit that was in Jesus Christ to be in you, and he, uh, God exalted him above every other name. In due time, in due season, you shall be exalted if you humble yourself. Hallelujah. Verse 26 in Matthew 6. Remember, keep hooking up on these scriptures. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? 
I know some of us don't think you're valuable. But I tell you, Christina is the most valuable person in this room in my eyes sometimes. <laughs> Kaylee, you're valuable. Mumchill, gosh, you are valuable. And I could name every single person. Uncle Dad, you're, or Dave, I don't, you know what? I've had this conversation with my wife. <laughs> you're valuable. And our value is not determined by our bank account. Our value is not determined by, by what's going on in our life. Our value is, is, is all to do with what's on the inside of us because of what Jesus Christ himself did on that cross. Light. And look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. You know what's amazing about that? God looks after these birds who don't plant and they don't harvest. But you know what we have the privilege of being able to do? Planting and harvesting. Because the birds don't need to have multiplication. Because they don't, they, you know, a mother bird doesn't go, oh, I've got six birds today. I'm going to go next door and give a bird to my poor neighbor who doesn't have a worm this, you know, some food this, this week. The birds just consume for themselves. They're allowed to poop like a bird. They, they consume in and they give out. And that's, that's as far as it goes. But we like to be people who can take in what God gives us and multiply it so that we can now share that with each and every one around us. And I, I know we have testimonies of this. Hallelujah. To be a blessing. And what's awesome about that, we, we get that privilege. In verse 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I've tried. I've tried to worry myself out of problems. I've, I've, really, I've, I've done my best. And I'm sure we all have. If, you know, my family, on my mom's side, is, there's, there's, there's people like I can think, you know, we're worry warts, as we used to say. My dad was a worrier. I used to see my dad pace around in our living room because my mom was five, ten minutes late driving home from work. And if you saw how my dad ended up, it was a direct result of worry, I believe. And not allowing the peace of God to cement some things. I'm not saying he got it wrong all the time. But there was a very strong thread of that in his life. And I've had to fight that with everything in me to not worry, to not be in fear. I remember quite clearly when I was in uni um, doing a photography degree, probably out of the will of God in my life, but still hungry for God. And he said, the rudder's changed. It's turned. You're going the right direction. The finances, there was times when I had to apply for mortgage, help from the uni. There's been times when I've had to sell stuff to pay for my mortgage payment. There's times when I've had to have mortgage breaks because I just couldn't pay for our mortgage. But the reality is, the thing that I was fighting and just, with everything in me, it turned when I trusted in God, when I put my trust in Him. When you put your trust in somebody, 
it doesn't mean that everything just magically changes. There's time, there's seasons, due season we reap. But worry can never add a single moment to your life. You know what adds to your life? Going. Have you ever thought, well, you know, I'd love to go to Blackpool and enjoy the rides and enjoy the... Veronica doesn't want to go on the rides in Blackpool. I don't doesn't want to go to Blackpool. <laughs> Can't say that online. <laughs> there might be somebody in Blackpool watching. Um, but, you know, you, you want to do a day out with your kids. But you sit there and you think, oh, I can't do this. I can't afford it. But you know what? If you just go out and do it, you actually enjoy the day and you create a moment. And quite often, the money is not the issue. It's just your fear of spending money or your fear of doing something that you perhaps don't really want to do or whatever, whatever the reason is. But the reality is, if you just go out and create moments life will suddenly become alive. You ask older people, and that I mean, you know, older people than you. If they look back on their life, their regrets will probably be, I didn't do that. I didn't spend the time with that person. I didn't develop that relationship. I didn't do something that I really wanted to do because I was so consumed with trying to get myself in a place where I could do it freely, without fear and without pressure. I look back on my life, there's things that we could have done, me and my wife, if we just made some different decisions and didn't become fearful and didn't become money-minded. Because God will make a way where there seems to be no way. (laughs) Your faith... I could just, I could sometimes, you guys being here, I could just break out to some songs. Um, God, God wants us to succeed in an absolute, this is what Faith Life, one of the Faith Life goals, Faith Life Manchester, Harrogate Preston, one of the goals of Faith Life is to constantly present the picture and the image of victory, that victory that lives on the inside of you, if you will pull on it. And worrying will never add. Let's go to verse 28 because I do want to get through this. Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. Verse 30. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that they are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? You see, you serve God, you can put your whole faith in Him. Don't worry about these things, what shall we eat, what we'll drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Jesse Jesse DePlantis says it this way, pray for your dreams because your needs are already looked after. Go after the big in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Your focus, your life 
is on that light on the inside of you, that spirit of faith that has been birthed in you, that word of God that richly dwells on the inside of you. Those are the things we're pulling off of. I'm going to finish on one scripture verse. Let this message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Colossians 3 verse 16. Tell, let the message, the word of God, Christ, in all its riches, fill your lives. When it fills your life, that is going to be a place of humility and grace. The word of God richly dwelling in your heart is that place of light and victory that we so desire and so see and, and so want to allow multiply in our hearts. God is a good God. And when we are, if I was to take my message from yesterday, when we significantly serve, when we wholeheartedly give, and we continue to pray, these things just start to work. Seeking first the kingdom of God allows you to put him in the rightful place that your trust and your ability to believe him puts a complete eradication on any kind of idea that says, I can do this in my own strength. I can do this without him. Pride. Because pride, what comes before destruction, before a fall, haughty spirit, before a fall. We started off today singing that song, Majesty. Be nice. We'll sing that at the end, Holly, if we can. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ living inside of, inside of us. The ability, the favor, the magnificence of God swirling around in our hearts bringing light to all mankind. Hallelujah. Well, we worship you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. We give you all the glory and all the praise. And as we look to close this service, we're going to receive our offering in a minute. Elson, you're going to get, get yourself ready to speak for a few minutes on that. Holly, I'd like you to finish singing with majesty. And then when Frankie brings us the announcements after that, just keep your heart solid. Because the things of God are so awesome. And we just give you all the praise.